I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, our show partner. No Benji, the internet at his Airbnb or wherever he's staying hasn't held up. Reminiscent of my childhood being promised good Wi-Fi on holidays to play Call of Duty, but never really worked out that way ping would always be too high but here we have recaps of another triple header valenciana the main event of the day with the queen stage there as well as wrap-ups of saudi tour and etoile de Bessege stages valenciana though remco the hot favorite after his dominant performance on stage one and an easier climb today was a harder stage 155 k's seven k's five percent medium mountain all day until the grand finale, the Alto de las Antenas del Magmo Tibi, 5.5 Ks, 10.2%, including a 1.7 K gravel section that wasn't just like some light, nice gravel that you do when you've, you know, you've got yourself some 28 millimeter Conti tires or whatever, and you're feeling a bit, you want to take the road bike out and be a bit adventurous. No, no, this was like mountain bike gravel. Uh, Laura Mezziger put up some photos on Twitter of them and of their gravels. Really, really deep. Anyway, Vlasov, Remco, Valverde, Mas were the main favorites of the day. There was also Carlos Rodriguez looking pretty good for Ineos. But a break went with uh, Tratnik in it, as well as Valentin Patipantra, uh, Jan Polans, Dimitri Kleis, Navarro, Bistrom, Prodom, Attila Volta. So probably Volta and Tratnik were the most highly touted in that, in that break, as well as uh, Valentin Perry Pantry, who kind of looks like the younger brother of Alaphilippe. He, he's quite talented as well. Anyway, that was being controlled by De Koenig, uh, not De Koenig anymore, Quickstep Alpha Vinyl and Bora, but mainly Quickstep. They seem to want to win the stage for Avonapol. And Quickstep, they apparently tried to recon this climb before in January or December when they had a training camp and they didn't actually go on the gravel section because they either the GPX file was wrong or they decided that they thought it was like too too gnarly to even be possible that they'd be doing it in a road race. They were controlling. Eventually, Tratnik went solo. Movistar had paced some of the medium mountain climbs. Tratnik looked like Zonkalan Tratnik when he was with uh, Lorenzo Fortunato in the Giro d'Italia. And yeah, that was like 19 kilometers to go. And he had a pretty good lead going into the last climb, which progressively got steeper. The lower slopes, he was looking good. The first 5Ks were 4 to 5 uh, four to 5%. He was looking good. A minute 40, a minute 43, and then it actually was pretty stable, even though Movistar and Quickstep were pacing with some domestiques. Eventually, he gets onto the steeper section on these narrow roads and Movistar had really taken it up. Honoré had paced, and Bala, with about four kilometres to go, kind of like in Catalonia last year, attacked. And Remco, in the yellow jersey, just got boxed, mastered a really good job there, boxed him in. Remco couldn't get out, or maybe he didn't want to. And it was a bait attack by Valverde. 
and he was actually closed by Juan Ayuso, who looked quite good. He closed it down, and then Carlos uh, Ineos were pacing as well. They were riding for Rodriguez, so they had Gagenhart and Sivakov pacing, and then it all came back together. But it had thinned out the group, and I was thinking, is Mars going to counterattack? Like we have before this is before the gravel, and Tratnik now his gap has plummeted to thirty seconds. And Mars didn't counter. So everyone's looking at each other. Full saying kind of paces a little bit on the front. And then Tratnik turns onto the gravel. It looks as hectic as we expected. Avenapol has moved up, although he's been each little surge, like when Valverde attacked or Full Sang or other riders, when they surged, Avenapol was very slow to close and sort of did it at his own pace. Now he rode Picon Blanco and Burgos back in 2020 in a similar fashion, defending GC when Sosa won that stage, but he wasn't looking like he was doing it really, really easy. And so they get onto the, the gravel section. Fulsang, who's been good at Strade, good on gravel, accelerates really hard when they get there. And then we see images of Tratnik for like 45 seconds uh, but he's a, he's a lame duck at that point. We know that the GC group is shortly behind him, two Ks to go. He's not going to maintain a lead of, of eight or seven seconds over them. Full Sang attacks, then slows down again. So we have a group of Movistar with Mas and Valverde. Valverde looking like he's in a bit of difficulty. We later found out he had a puncture at the start of that gravel section. Vlasov, Mas, Rodriguez, and Jakob Fulsang. Now, Vlasov has been good on steep climbs in the past. On Angleru, particularly in the Vuelta 2020, he looked the best. That was when he had that golden run with winning Giro dell'Emilia and, yeah, looking good in the Vuelta 2020. He was looking really good. He attacked once. Avenapol sitting on his wheel, sitting on his wheel. Then Vlasov went again. No one responded. Avenapol didn't try and respond. Now, Avenapol had a 19-second lead on Vlasov in GC, we're only 1,300 metres to the finish and we're about to get onto the, the uh, off the gravel section in 300 metres. And I thought, okay, maybe Evanapol is going to just ride his pace, whatever, fine. Mars is sitting on him. Rodriguez is clawing his way back to them. And Vlasov gets onto the, onto the bitumen section. Avenapol does as well. Avenapol still the gap is only three or four seconds, and then Avenapol completely explodes. Whilst Vlasov almost accelerates, gets on top of his gear, and was looking really, really good. And Avenapol's done. Master sitting on him. He goes around him. Carlos Rodriguez. We wondered who will be the best Spanish rider in this race or on these climbs. Third on stage one, the twenty-one-year-old just turned twenty-one, by the way, on Wednesday on stage one. He drops Mars, he drops Avenapol, and he's finishing strong. And if this climb had kept going, maybe Rodriguez would have caught Vlasov. But Vlasov went solo, and yeah, an incredible start for Vlasov at Bora Hansgrohe, taking out this stage and going into the leader's jersey with Avenapol behind. Now, I don't know if we haven't, it's, I'm recording straight afterwards, so I haven't heard if there's a mechanical issue or whatever. But um, he looked like he was literally in the wrong gear, Avenapol, and was falling back so much that he only finished eighth on this this stage when with 1K to go, he was five to six seconds behind Vlasov. He finished 41 seconds behind Vlasov. So he lost half a minute 
in the last kilometer or so, which wasn't on the gravel section. But the top 10, Vlasov first, going into the leader's jersey, 14 seconds ahead of Rodriguez, then Master, 21 seconds, a typical, very, very conservative ride by Mas, not particularly inspiring. Bilbao, fourth, again, <laughs> I want to reiterate what we have said about how weird it was that Bilbao rode on stage one as a domestique when he would be their best general classification rider here. Uh, he had an incredible climb coming fourth, 29 seconds back, but he obviously lost a lot of time on stage one, so won't be anywhere on GC. Bala fifth, 29 seconds apparently with that puncture. Then Fulsang, Chikona, who we rarely saw, actually leapfrogged. Says uh, Avonapol seventh and Avonapol eighth with Luis Leon Sanchez ninth and David de la Cruz tenth on 50 seconds. So big performances from Vlasov, from Rodriguez, I say expected from Mas and nice from Bilbao as well. Vlasov's lead in the general classification is 32 seconds on Avonapol. We do have uh, tomorrow should be a sprint. I'll, I'll recap, I'll preview that in a second. So does stage five. So to be honest, it's going to be hard to find 32 seconds against Vlasov, and he's looking in really, really good shape, like Lombardia and Emilia. These sort of climbs he's really good at. The problem Vlasov had last year was on the longer climbs, if you look at his Giro, 30, 40 minutes, he would start to bleed time. But steep stuff like this, seated, didn't get out of the saddle once until they got onto, until he got onto the uh, bitumen section, looking really, really good. Now, obviously, everyone wants to know. As I said on stage after stage one, Remco's a polarizing figure. Did I anoint him as the quick step Tour de France leader, possibly beating Roglic and Pogaccio after stage one? Maybe. Do I regret that? Possibly. But it is it is curious seeing he's kind of the antithesis to Enric Mas, who I mentioned. Mas consistently sort of third, fourth, fifth, and Mas isn't a great one week racer. And then Avonapol stage one, dropping everyone easily. Good timing, though. And then today, big, big struggles. And I don't know. I don't, I don't have the explanation for what happened. I'll have to wait to see the how quickly they did the climb. I don't have that data yet. But it, it's one thing is very, very clear that Avonapol went over his limit severely, chasing Alexander Vlasov, trying to, trying to claw him back. And other riders like Rodriguez, who paced their climb much better. Rodriguez paced it almost perfectly, the young Spanish, Spaniard on Ineos Grenadiers. There, that's why Rodriguez now is sitting, I think, I don't know, so you have to see the updated GC, but he's sitting 36 seconds behind Vlasov, four seconds behind Avonapol. And I think the, the learning from here is, I know it's a one-week race, and Avonapol's going for the win here, but... In a three-week Grand Tour, for example, as we saw with Bernal and Simon Yates last year, on one day Yates was better on a long climb, on the other day Bernal was better. Most of the time Bernal was better across the three weeks. But in week three, it went back and forth between the two. And I think the learning here, and you remember that photo of Danny Martinez shouting at Bernal when Bernal was chasing after Yates and almost going over his own limit. Martinez like, steady, like we have the GC lead, ride your limit and live to fight another day. And that is can sometimes result in boring racing or negative racing. And in a one week, it's less applicable because if you want to win this race, this stage is your chance with the easier ones to follow. But I do think, particularly in three-week Grand Tours, 
there is something to you just staying staying up there, staying relevant, and you can you can take back 15, 25 seconds if you're feeling really good on another day, three minutes, four minutes, then you then you can't if you just completely crack. And if this had been a longer climb, it would have been much more for Avon Apollo. Now I know uh, Patrick Lefevre doesn't like gravel racing and or, or gravel in races quick step boycott parry tour because it has too much gravel in it or i don't think they do trobe roly on i'm sure they're they're not happy about it but yeah just interesting it's just interesting to me and i'm not a sports scientist so i don't know why avonapol wasn't as good today or whatever but just interesting to see what happens i'm sure bora Hansgrohe though they're feeling pretty good with vlasov who they signed. We didn't know, okay, who is going to be the main GC guy? Kelderman, Buchmann, Blasov, Hinley, uh, out of the people Igita, even out of they signed who out of whoever they signed. Giro they've sent they're sending Kelderman, Buchmann, and Hinley, and they already decided before this race Vlasov to the tour. They've got to be pretty comfortable with that decision right now. That's looking like the best option. Now he's got to show more consistency across climbing stages this year, which he didn't last year, but Looking good. Rodriguez, Vuelta for Ineos. Can't wait to see that. But anyway, that was stage three to Antenas del Maigmo. I'm sure the polemic of is Avon Apollo GC rider? Is, is he a good climber? That will rage on. So a bit of a, oh, not a bit, a collapse today in the final. But um, I also want to see, I just want to see Valverde ride for his own GC as well, frankly, because in these one-week races, I don't know why he's riding for Mars. Anyway, stage four tomorrow is, as I said, a sprint stage, 193Ks. It does have a couple of little lumps in the last oh, 10 kilometers. They're not even categorized. I don't even know that they should roll over them very quickly. It finishes in Torre Vieja. There is sometimes, if my memory serving me correctly, down here, wind in this area, and they do have an extended run around the coast and doing a loop, so... Could see some wins, some crosswind action tomorrow in Volta La Comunitat Valenciana. And Quickstepper here with a very strong flat train. Perhaps they try and put Bora Hansgrohe under pressure. Bora don't have the strongest flat squad with Gamper, uh, Kelderman. I think Kelderman's abandoned after a crash. Koch, Schelling, Vlasov, Vols, Zvihoff. I said Vols with a German accent because between Vlasov and Zvihoff, whereas De Koenig or Quickstep have Catania, Cherny, Honoré, Jakobsen, Lampart, Merku, and Avonapol. So maybe, listen, maybe Quickstep will try something tomorrow. It'd be pretty interesting to see if they did. There was some pretty exciting action in the other races as well, but before we get into that, a word from our show partner, Zwift. Zwift has nine unique worlds, including Watopia, the UCI World Champs courses, and the Japan-inspired Makuri Islands featuring the Umezi countryside region and fast, flat city roads of Neokyo. Reminder, next week's ride, already breaking incredible sign-up numbers, is on Tuesday at 6 p.m. London time, or UK time, 7 p.m. European time. The details are in the description down below. And don't forget to head to Zwift.com to find out more or start your free seven-day trial. It's been useful for me because personal anecdote, just like Fred Wright, who abandoned Saudi tour with, I think he had a broken hand that he didn't, wasn't sure it was broken. I wasn't sure if I'd broken my finger when he got an x-ray. Turns out I fractured my finger. So I will be Zwifting uh, on that, given that I shouldn't have been riding outdoors with that uh, when I was in Valencia. So 
useful for me. <laughs> I'll be swifting a fair bit in the next couple of days. Anyway, no need to feel sorry for me. Saudi Tour, just like Valencia, had a GC upheaval. It was a pancake flat stage for 140Ks, then 2Ks, 3Ks rather, at 12%, then an 8K plateau on this. It's one of the most unique landscape or finishes we'll see this year, just this incredibly steep ramp, 12, 13-minute climb, then like a tailwind 60-kilometer-an-hour flat rolling road with just a sheer drop of cliffs either side. And the crosswinds before, by the way, affected this race hugely. Botrago, the Colombian on Bahrain, he was in the leader's jersey trying to defend that. This was the last really hill test of this of this race. And he, as I said, lost Fred Wright to injury. And so he had Gradek, Masiuk, Bahrain. They were pretty good rulers, the young, the not young, the new Polish guys. One is young, one is a veteran that they signed, as well as Jonathan Milan, but they got on the wrong side of a split. Quick step, put the hammer down, De Klerk, Van Leerberger and co, they got into a group with Bagioli and took a minute lead on Botrago, Charmig, Costa. So three of the top five GC guys, Charmig, Botrago, Costa, they fell to the whims of quick step today. And they had also in that group Maxim Van Hills, the only lotto rider who made it. He was a few seconds behind... Uh, Butrago on GC because there weren't huge gaps after that stage two climb where Butrago won. And Van Hills is probably the best climber in that group apart from Bagioli. And Quickstep paced all day. They also had to clerk in the group. They kind of tried, they, they were thinking, they were clearly thinking, should we go for the clerk GC? Because he, he wasn't that far behind. Uh, well, assuming Butrago's gone, he's not that far behind Van Hills. They tried once and then stopped. And so they pretty much paced the entire flat crosswind section, brought Maxim van Hills to the base of this climb. He said, thank you very much uh, for putting Betrago out of GC contention. Bagioli attacked very early, despite, again, like Maxim van Hills, if he's riding for GC, will probably be incentivized to just ride at a steady tempo and you'd back yourself, Bagioli, to beat him in a sprint, particularly if you form some sort of agreement on the plateau afterwards. But Bagioli attacked really early. Maybe he wanted to get rid of Mezgetz and Van Poppel, but he was probably going to get rid of them anyway, although he did get caught at the end. And Van Hills closed him down, came over the top of him, and this climb, one of the steepest, to our oh, 1500 meter sections it was like 1600 meters the steepest part at 15 and a half percent with 20 percent pinches just outrageously steep uh and you see like i don't know like did did some of the sprinters have an agreement with the organizer that they don't have to do the whole thing and they can start the next day tomorrow it was it's absurdly steep if you want to check some of the i have the video up on my main channel and van hills dropped angioli soloed in a tailwind on the plateau and one a huge stage for Lotto Sudal, not because of the points per se, but because it puts him into the GC lead by 36 seconds ahead of Petrago. And there's big UCI points available in these 2-1 races if you win GC. So huge for him. Not a great day to remember for Quick Step. And I mean, uh, I know that I should probably say who Maxim Van Hills is. He's a 22-year-old on Lotto Sudal. He did come seventh in GC at Wallonie last year in his Neo Pro year. And sort of 12th in San Sebastian, okay on some welter stages, just like an okay Neo Pro year. And he's young, 22. 
turning 23 at the end of the year. So definitely a step up for him, but just good normal progression that they'd be hoping to see. And he beat Bagioli pretty comfortably uh, on this stage, actually, and rode it smarter than him. He won the stage 40 seconds ahead of a group with Mezgetz beating De Klerk, sprinting for second and third, then Van Poppel, Costa, Os, Alexis Renard, Petrago, Bagioli on 44 seconds, and Geniers make rounding out the top 10. So GC, given that the stage tomorrow is a flat stage, should be done from a you know difficulty of there's no climbs tomorrow really of note there's no categorized climbs will i expect quickstep to try in the crosswind yes and not for bagioli or anyone like that i think they'll try for the clerk if there's any wind at all they will try for him he's fourth on gc on 52 seconds back why not try for him and like if they get a big split without the three guys in front of him with some other people willing to work, they can donate the stage or whatever. But if not, it'll be a sprint. Bronovig and Ewan round three, three now, I think, and I'll be keen to see how they go there. Ewan will be hoping for a better position than on the previous stage. Etoile de Bessege, another good stage. Yesterday was a bit snoozy. Today was jam-packed. Bessege had those two climbs that I mentioned, shallow gradient. Oh, well, the last one was a bit steeper, 2.4Ks at 6.5% for a fast ascent and then a flat run into the finish in Bessege. And I said, okay, will this be one where no one really does anything and then there's Hofstetter and Pedersen who can get over those sort of climbs? Incorrect. Tobias Johannesson, the neo-pro who won Tour de Lavenir last year on UNOX, and Bettiol and Benjamin Thomas was super aggressive. Johannesson was very, very aggressive and looking good. And he attacked and they got a gap on the descent of that climb. Eventually, Benjamin Thomas, by the way, he's a transfer from FDJ to Cofidis. He's a track guy, very, very highly talented track guy. And Bettiol, if, if we're not including Pedersen, because at this point, Pedersen's gone. These three are running for both the stage and GC because Bettiol and uh, Tomar and Johannesson are all within about 30 seconds of each other. They're all running for GC and the stage, but Bettiol was in the lead on GC virtually at this point. And Benjamin Tomar started pulling like an absolute tank on the flat, almost gapping these guys. He was in a very aerodynamic position, which I'll have a word on in a second, He's like gapping Bettiol and Johannesson off the wheel on this descent. Eventually, instead of just pulling them to the line, Tomar attacked them, got a good gap, and he was in a break, by the way, with Bissiger last year and a strong break in Tour de Suisse. He wasn't able to get the win there, but he was looking good here. He had that, like he just had a 100-meter, maybe 75-meter gap. Johannesson and Bettiol were playing a bit, and then Johannesson attacked Bettiol trying to bridge across Kind of like when oh, Nizzolo attacked uh, trying to get across to Lampard or Ackerman or someone in the European Championships. Bertiol wasn't happy, clawed it back to Johannesson. They still hadn't got to Benjamin Tomar. Johannesson blows up and the stage is over. Tomar solos to the win and he's looking already Cofidis. Like all these teams that are in the relegation fight have come out swinging. Cofidis, Lotto, and Arkea. And Tamar won, won the stage by nine seconds ahead of Bettiol and Johannesson. Then Tiller won the bunch sprint for fourth ahead of Cockard, Bosenhagen, Hofstetter, Champersen, Ulysse, and Zimmerman. So, in terms of GC, a huge shake up there as well. Tamar, seven seconds ahead of Bettiol, 
Matthew Bergado on total is on third in 15 seconds. He, young guy, he just one to watch out for. We already mentioned then Swift and Boson Hagen are on 31 and 33 seconds. But I got an email straight after that stage from Luke Ginnell, and he's saying that he's been noticing, and particularly Tomar today, and it makes sense because he's a track guy and maybe he's a bit more focused on aerodynamics, you'd think so, good time trialist. He thinks Cofidis are riding with a more aerodynamic position, a much better position, and their kit as well. Now, we'll have just something I, I want to monitor. I've only really noticed it with Tomar, and I think maybe that could be explained by him as an individual doing that, but it's just something to watch that maybe some of these teams like Cofidis, like Lotto, they're getting a bit sharper as well. It wouldn't surprise me that it's not just sending the riders to the right races for points, but also the actual performance aspect is, goes without saying, incredibly important. So Bessege, the next stage, stage four from Saint-Alain to uh, Montbouquet. This is the queen stage of Bessege, 4.6 Ks, 9.1% at the end of a 147 K stage. There's a couple of warm-up. 5k shallow or one 5k shallow gradient climb beforehand but this should be a gc showdown on that finish carapaz crashed unfortunately on the stage but will be continuing apparently for ineos whether he well he, he finished the stage whether he starts tomorrow i'm not sure but look out for jay vine tomorrow i know he's a friend of the podcast but look look out for him on that mountaintop finish, as well as Alberto Bettiol. We know how well he climbed in the Olympic road race. Perhaps Bettiol, I I expect him to do well there as well. There's also Champoussin, of course, Thibaut Pinot. I don't know. It's hard to know with the early season form who's going to be going well. But, yeah, Tobias Johannesson will for sure be trying to put, I think, Bettiol under pressure on that climb, and Benjamin Tomar is wearing the leader's jersey. If he if he holds on after this climb, I don't, it's not possible. Johansson will definitely be trying to put him under pressure, but maybe I think Molima is probably the favourite for the stage. I would say tomorrow, but I got this one wrong. I thought maybe a bit, be a bit slower in a reduced bunch sprint. But I hope you enjoyed this triple header recap. Let us know what you think. Should we overreact to our overreaction of Remco Avenepoel doing well on stage one? Not so good today. What do you think about Lotus Sudal? Are they already safe from relegation? Hot takes only. If you're listening on podcast players, feel free to hit us up at Lantern Rouge CP on Twitter, or of course, if you're watching on YouTube, the comments, we love reading them. Thanks to our show partner, Zwift, of course, for supporting the podcast. We'll see you on the group ride on Tuesday, the 8th of February. Until tomorrow, ciao.